0: I'm Tefer. And I'm Eunice. And I'm Caddy. Welcome to Yeah, the show where we talk about young adult lit and what it can teach us at any age. This is our book club,
1: and you're invited. Yeah! yeah!
2: We'd like to take the time to acknowledge that the studio where we record is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember that the lands that we occupy are not our own, and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. We encourage you to take some time today and every day really to reflect on your relationship with the land that you live on and the Indigenous communities of that area. So this
0: week, we are talking about a new release by a debut author. This is Happily Ever Afters by Elise Bryant. This book, I think, has gotten a lot of buzz. I feel like I've seen it on a lot of lists. It's been pretty anticipated in the literary community. It's, you know, a pretty straightforward contemporary YA romance, which you know we love around here. Uh, It is super cute. It has, like, a lot of callbacks to different well-known YA romances, which is always fun. So it is the story of Tessa, who has moved to a new town and a new school and is distanced from her best friend for the first time and uh, is trying to find her literary groove through conniving means that involve making romance happen in different ways. How did you all like this?
1: Well, right off the bat, I just love that she's a writer and that she's specifically a romance writer. And I thought that was just very special. I basically have very bubbly, wonderful feelings about this. There's like baking, there's romance scenes from her book, and it's about a girl like finding herself in like and being more secure in your identity so all around I really 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 enjoyed reading it
2: yeah I'm on the same boat this was a bubblegum pink kind of a read for me um and would probably have been a great book to read on a beach somewhere um very light and fluffy uncomplicated it tackles social issues but not in a way that's uh overly dramatic or overly complicated and i think that even in the marketing of the book they they discuss a lot how um it's like a almost like a jane the virgin type of story and like that holds up it is like sweet and like not saccharine but almost and it's it's it it was a fun read it was fun yeah
0: i really appreciated i mean i appreciated all of these things i appreciated that it was sweet and light and that there were this baking in it which i think we should talk about more i really appreciated that tessa is a writer but she's a writer who's very anxious about writing um and like anxious in the like medical (laughs) sense of the word she has i i think What could be classified as an anxiety disorder and um, I really identified with her loving to write loving to create but being just just so incredibly daunted by the idea of other people reading and disliking her work that she gets the most giant writer's block in the world that is something I relate to personally and I really appreciated the storyline in the book that is about her learning not to fear criticism because that's important like for youth to learn that's a a lesson that I wish I had learned as a teenager instead of as an adult um and because it was just like I felt represented when I read that storyline it was great
1: I loved that angle for like budding writer because i don't think i've really quite seen it done like that before and while i think the i i also kind of identified with that part because i really liked the way that it or she portrayed elise bryant portrayed tessa as being very like to the extent of like she's like willing to like lie about it, about her writing process, she's not willing to share, she's very secretive about it um, because of the anxiety. Um, that like felt really real to me, just like, because you're so afraid of hiding your craft that you hold so dearly and you're afraid of like showing that to the world where they could kind of judge it however, I got that feeling. and. Especially in the sense that she's like a teenager and she's also kind of like that's the one of the big ways her like insecurity comes out. So I really liked that story arc and how that was tackled in the book.
2: I think you said that so well, Eunice. But it's funny because that struggle with vulnerability that Tessa has was infuriating to me because uh it resonated so much so there were times where i just wanted to reach my hands into the book and shake her by the shoulders and you know in the most kind and loving way but like just a little like a little pinch on the cheek to bring her back to reality as well i mean tessa's you know she she, she's very mature she's very like I think that there's there's a challenge when you have like a very verbose character and someone who's very smart to keep them within a behavioral pattern that fits like and that makes her come off as immature to me and sometimes that became frustrating and 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 I I think I was upset with her parents more than anything else also I was pretty mad at her mom through a lot of the book (laughs) You know, read into that what you may, uh, but it was just like, what kind of parenting is this? Like, it's it's deficient. There was there there's this there's this lack of yeah of watch having a watchful eye out there for Tessa. I think so. Maybe I'm maybe I'm processing some therapy stuff also.
0: <laughs> I actually have to agree with you. I I was very upset with her parents, and I. Now that I'm thinking about it, feel that there were some elements of that that didn't get fully addressed. Specifically, the parentification. We see Tessa responsible for her older brother, and I really expected to see that storyline dealt with a little more than it was. Now that I'm thinking about it, but her parents just rely on her to provide care for her older brother who who um, has disabilities, and. It's sort of hinted at a couple of times that that maybe that's you know maybe they're realizing that her that she shouldn't have that responsibility but she is sort of like no I want to be you know like I love my brother I want to be there for him and see that combination though of parent- parentification and uh high anxiety and a little bit of social immaturity is something that resonates <laughs> with me like that is something i have seen in in many immediate real ways that little tri- tri- trifecta <laughs> um so in that sense it's a very realistic depiction but i i agree that i feel we do see her and her mother sort of process their relationship a little bit more but there's certainly kind of there's there's still a journey left for this family
1: yeah, I agree. That process is definitely not finished on the page. I think there was like beginnings of it that you see um, towards the end of the book. The one thing I kind of wish I did see with this book or for Tessa was the relationship with her teacher fleshed out a lot more, because um, I think there was something there. She did create this character as somebody who is like... Um, like a. Best selling fantasy YA writer, it seemed like, it sounded like that, um, who is teaching at the school. And what we saw, the glimpses of their relationship was something that I wanted to see more of, like a mentor figure, where, it, like, sometimes, like, what happens in teens' life is that the parents are maybe not there for a teen, but, like, there's another, like, significant grown up in the person's life. And I felt like I wanted that so much with her, especially because, like, the teacher understands like the craft and has lived. And I felt like you knew kind of like, oh, she's lived this and she definitely has advice and has been like with like the glances that she was giving in class. Like I felt like there was subtext that like the teacher knew exactly kind of what was going on with Tessa this whole time or like maybe just like has saw that happen in either her own life or like um in other people's like writer's journey. Um, and I really wish that like the teacher like stepped in a little bit more than just the like oh hey you need to turn in your assignments remember like you need to like turn in your assignments and then like not give me the same stuff that you've not been working on this whole time and I wish she kind of like the character was like pushed a little maybe not pushed a little but like was like kind of there to be like the sounding board to her anxieties a little bit that's what I kind of wished for her character and like I understand like yeah sometimes you want that validation to come from her parents and like cause yeah the parents also should have seen that like she was not turning in her work and like that was kind of alarming and like there was kind of a conversation to be had there but I kind of expected it to come from the teacher-student relationship. And, like, I was like, oh, no, like, that would have been really cool if she kind of did that. But um, I think where it did come a little bit from in this book was her relationship with uh, her neighbor, Sam, and just kind of, like, her journey was running parallel to Sam's journey. And I think that is actually a really cool thing that – at least brian did to depict the idea of like a creative being able to like um take criticism well um and then be like confident in what you create um i did like that kind of pairing in the book
2: it was neat there is something maybe maybe it's a generational thing but there's definitely i think i i very much expected it to be a bit more like a performing arts high school for like fame <laughs> um, i think i just wanted debbie allen to be that teacher and to like give some great big life lesson at the same time and you know like really kind of reach tessa and i think that it's great that she has that relationship with with sam and and that that builds but i think that she felt sort of like she was roaming aimlessly and she was responsible solely for care and at the same time there's something there's something very relatable there's something very like I think very very painful in that like it's a it's a painful mirror to look at um I think uh, that is the reality in a lot of families um and for a lot of you know a lot of women a lot of female identifying folks yeah there's something very particular about that that weight that that's on her shoulders but still with like elements of magic right because be, uh, yeah because the the, the, the little, little the little whimsy that comes into play doesn't necessarily remove the burden of reality of what it is to be a teenage girl in uh you know in her family what it means to be black what it means to be biracial what it means to be all these things so so i I found that also to be pretty interesting and with the contrast with sam also that's that's super fun it's It's, yeah, it's, it's completely wild, but it's, it's like having a white clown, you need a black, like, you know, you need a red clown to go with it, you need, you need contrast, you need complementarity, and because he allows, like, I think the second that in the description, it was like, he wears Hawaiian shirts, I was like, oh, okay, you know, like, he's Sean Penn in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and she's gonna be freaking molly ringwald uh but black and uh, you know a writer um so not molly ringwald you know and this is how that's gonna work out and that it's nice sometimes to read something predictable sorry caddy
0: i want to go back to something you said about clowns oh yes i've never heard um, that before <laughs>
2: So it's types of clowns. So you've got the white. Well, it's like the shlameel and the shlamaazel, right? Also, something I'm familiar with. Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, my clown knowledge is amazing. Um, uh, oh, um, so we'd call like a straight man and a like the the zany person and the the straight man or that that kind of trope.
0: Yeah.
2: Of contrasts, uh, Laurel and Hardy. In order to make the straight man funny, you have to have a wild and kooky character okay okay. and for the wild and kooky character to not be completely off-putting you need a voice of reason to calm him and ground him in reality
0: thank you i appreciate this lesson in clownery Hey, improv teacher at your service (laughs) i took one improv class
2: it wasn't with me you would have come back
0: (laughs) no it was with vance and then he moved to toronto
2: oh yeah okay He he was great too Um,
0: Anyway, thank you for for a brief history of clowns. Yes. So let's talk about Sam. I really like Sam. Um, I really like Sam's backstory, which I feel like because this is a new release, I don't want to spoil. But I just want to say that I spend a lot of time watching Cooking Channel and the Food Network. And there's just like a lot of Cooking Channel and the Food Network in Sam's whole ish And I really appreciated that. I see Sam as Peter Malark. <laughs> <laughs> like Sam is Peter Malark if Peter Malark was a, in, in 2020. And speaking of that, also through my skills of sleuthery, because Halloween is on Saturday, I believe that this book is set in a non-pandemic 2020. And I did not realize how much I needed that until I got to that detail, and I was like, okay. And I wow. just that just gave me a lot of feelings. And that was nice. But Sam is adorable and also is the first time I have ever in my life seen the dream boy have a soft tummy that is appreciated. And I liked that so much.
1: Yeah, I love that. Everything about Sam was cinnamon roll, like, because he's a sweet baked good. (laughs) I loved all of the food references and i too love like baking shows that's all i like look at on instagram i yeah it was just so lovely just the dis yeah the description it's just like of course like he would be that way and it's so lovable Although, I think, like, parts of it really, like, parts of his character reveal really surprised me, though. Because I was totally, completely expecting him to be just, like, goofy and, like, but he's really not goofy. He is wonderful in, like, how, like, understanding he is. Um, Like, that's a huge part of his character. Um, He just has, like... While we've said, like, Tessa is pretty mature it, because of, like, her, her life experiences um, and just, like, the things that she's had to live through, Sam just has, like, the empathy and understanding even though, like, he hasn't lived through those experiences. I don't know where it comes from because I don't think it really mentions that in the book, um, but. It's just there on the page, um, and it's just so nice to see a character, like, a male character in a YA novel just exhibit all of those, like, qualities, and yeah, you just, like, love him for it. I just liked his relationship with food and cooking. Just the love he pours into his craft and, like, the passion that he has that he is shown like that again i think like the comparison with tessa where like he had he's just in a different place with his craft and that was really like fun to see um and that like without giving too much away i think that was one of my favorite parts in the book because of the way their relationship forms because of the connection that he has with his um baking i think that's a big part of um why their relationship goes on that trajectory in the book
2: i like the mention of a soft tummy (laughs) i think there aren't enough soft tummies in literature or at least like enough to get love and i think that i would like to see more of that yeah yeah i would like to see more of that i i i Okay, I have a question for the two of you. Um, So everyone's been baking uh, Tepper. You've been making sourdough bread, but what's your go-to comfort bake? Because I feel like this is important for everyone to know.
0: I, as you said, have been baking sourdough. I'm having a complicated relationship with baking right now because I've just recently found out I have to go off gluten again and I've been doing that for about six weeks and I did the sourdough bread in the hopes that the fermented gluten which is easier to digest would be easier to digest and I have just been in intestinal distress all day today. Um, so it's, it's this feels a little raw for me um, but my absolute favorite comfort bake is the smitten kitchen strawberry summer cake which is best made with like perfectly ripe in-season strawberries but you can make it with frozen fruit you can make it with whatever you have on hand it is a lush plush soft cake with a layer of juicy strawberries that kind of melt-and-go jammy. And I love a cake that is 50% fruit. That is my ideal ratio for dessert is like there's a bunch of fruit and then a little bit of cake and they just kind of mush together and it's so good. Um, it comes together super easily. It smells amazing. It's so good. My kids don't eat it because they're picky, so I get to just eat all of it. <laughs>
1: so I have opinions about baked <laughs> goods that are very specific. Um, I... Like a lot of baked goods. I usually am not actually, I'm actually not really much of a chocolate baked goods person. Um, I really like, yeah, ones with fruit, um, like cinnamon sugar, that type of profile. I really like, um, I love pastries. I don't know how to make any pastries, <laughs> so I just buy them. But like, I am like, I'm willing to pay for good pastry. so Because I know the work it takes to watching Great British Bake Off, I know the work it takes (laughs) to make one of those. Um, So, but um, currently, I have been baking a lot of banana bread, which is um, something that I've been making for my boyfriend's mom, which has been very easy. Um, Through quarantine, I've learned that if you use Bisquick and disregard the Bisquick recipe on the back, um, but add butter instead of (laughs) just like the one that's on the back. It's just so much better and very easy. um, And that's really good. Um, Yeah, I just have a lot of um, opinions of things that I like. But anyway, um, my favorite pastry would have to be a Queen Amon. I didn't know existed for the longest time, but it's just the perfect blend of like croissant pastry but it's it but it's like has like sugar cinnamon kind of like a better cinnamon roll maybe um just like because it has the same pro like flavor profile but it's a pastry so Ooh. but yeah like I said I could go on and on about
0: this. <laughs> I think I think when, you know, pandemic permitting and the creek don't rise, you've got to come up to Montreal so we can take you to the patisseries here because they're next level. Like I know Boston you can get a real good cannoli, but like come up here and we'll get French pastries. I'm sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: God, do I miss I miss Mike's pastries though.
1: Mhm. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: sometimes you just need a cannoli
0: <laughs> um so Caddy, what about you
2: um I think my current fave um is <laughs> okay so I love cake I love cake with a passion um cake is cake is like you know, capital C cake for me, uh, um, and uh, I've been having fun with the New York Times uh, cooking. Uh, they have an olive oil cake uh, with rosemary and grapefruit, and it is so nice, so so nice. I love, and I like. Um, yeah, you know, I'm trying, I'm doing my best to reduce my footprint and, and all of that stuff and trying to stay away from, I'm getting close to 40. I got to start taking care of my body too, on top of the planet. What? Um, so I'm trying to like, you know, so olive oil feels real nice. I'm like, yeah, it's Mediterranean. We're fine. I'll live for a hundred years. Give me more cake. Um, and there you have it. That cake sounds like a
0: cocktail, but a cake
1: yeah
2: it has all the flavor profiles of that yes best served with a gin fizz
0: i love a shot of olive oil in my cocktails (laughs)
2: look a mediterranean (laughs) yeah but you're like a mediterranean where like the olive oil does you you know like it's 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 a different kind of mediterranean you know, in Soviet Russia, homework does you. You've never seen the memes. Never mind. I, go. I mean, olive oil could do me, I'd be. You
0: know. <laughs> we're, we're good. Yay. All Yay. right. Happy days. Um, another element of this book that I enjoyed, apart from pastries and baking and cute boys, which there are lots of cute boys. But um, I really enjoyed the development of good judgment Uh, Which was helped along by her really good relationship with her best friend. And I think demonstrated a very healthy best friend relationship with good boundaries and like a lot of love and good negotiation of conflict. I really, really appreciated that. And I mean, really you know, this is a book with like a little bit of a love triangle in it, but ultimately the most important relationship is her relationship with Caroline. And that is really, really special. And I liked it a lot.
1: I love that you said the most important relationship. Cause I think that was the relationship that really shined on the page. Um, as much as I liked her dynamic with Sam a lot. Um, I think that I, yeah, I just loved her relationship with Caroline. Yeah. I, i think like the boundaries their conversations um how they're able to like talk through the talk through conflict um how they like support each other or don't support each other like um that like navigation of like friendship is so real um i think like cuz i think one of the things that happen um when you're um in a relationship like that. I, and it's, like, a one that's, like, kind of a childhood re- relationship. So, like, they've had, like, time to get to know each other and they're comfortable with each other. But, like, something that happens is that, like, there are times where, like, a friendship becomes more one-sided in, like, kind of the, um, like, the burdens or, like, one friend is listening more and, like, you're paying attention to their problems more. And I thought, like, that whole... um the way that that was handled in the book was very real. Like, that was also kind of where my frustrations came from too, where I was like, Tessa, like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, like, like, part of it was like, you do need to, like, step out, like, from your, like, self, like, talk this out with your friend, like, who's there, um, and um, kind of explore, like, like, um what your friend is like going through too and like um how that kind of brings her to a realization of like how much she's kind of like hiding from the people around her i think that was handled really well
2: vulnerability is hard y'all it's hard and it's hard in friendships i find in particular like that's something that's not often addressed, I guess. Like it's this challenge of like showing up and being open with your friends. I think I'm gonna say something terrible, Sex in the City did a really good job at that. Um, I know we don't like them, but mm, they did that. Like, and it's okay for it to be all right because, and I feel like we don't have a ton of great models of friendships right now. Um, you know like for a while we had like Barack Obama and Justin Trudeau and we all dined on that for a minute and then the world got real dark (laughs) and now like all the friendship things I see are about friends on zoom i'm sorry i promise i'm not high um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah and i think that that was really important in this book plus this has been a big year for friendship like especially in feminist reading circles as, with uh, big friendship uh when it, which came out with, by uh, the hosts of uh, call your girlfriend uh Ra, or Seau and Anne friedman they are basically who i want to be friends with let's be honest. Um, so yeah, like, and so we spent the summer talking about friendship and all that. So it was nice to read this book and feel that the characters, you know, where she grows the most is within her friendship. That's, it's it's her safe space. And even though she struggles with her vulnerability with her friend, she ultimately gets there. And it's a friendship that also grows. I think that that's really, really beautiful to see. Because um, we are so used to the stories of And we grew apart, you know, and that's part of the coming of age story. But what about the like, well, we're keeping on keeping on. So like, put your boots on. Let's go kind of thing. Yes,
0: I think one of my least favorite things that grownups say is oh your friendships in high school aren't that important by the time you're adults you won't even talk to each other and I've also heard adults say like oh your friendships in college aren't that important by the time you're adults you won't even talk to each other and and that's just I mean yeah it's nonsense because like most of the friends that I speak with regularly are either high school or college friends but also just this idea that somehow friendship is unimportant is really upsetting. And I mean, I think adults usually say these things when they are trying to manipulate youth into doing what they want and prioritizing what they want them to prioritize. But I really, I mean, I think one of the most important things you do in high school is learn how to navigate friendships um, and learn how to navigate conflict in friendships and learn how to set boundaries in friendships. And, um, you know, then you continue that process in college. But... It's so important and seeing Tessa develop friend group relationships and also maintain an old friendship is is so significant, so important.
1: I really liked that um, it wasn't like a like the typical, like the fallout wasn't like, oh, like I'm jealous of you. It was like way more um, like nuanced than that which I feel like we've seen a lot of like, oh, like you're growing differently and I'm jealous of you kind of thing. Um, this was like, yes, they're like growing in different ways, um, but there was way more like, it was complicated like what the miscommunications were and what where they weren't seeing eye to eye on things. Um, and it was, yeah, I, it was just like, I feel like it was just way more realistic than um, just trying to be like, here's conflict and then we're going to like resolve it. I think both characters needed to do a lot to get to where they, uh, where they ended up at the end. Um, Like there needed to be hard conversations that weren't just going to like easily resolve themselves. Like people, they had to say really hard things to each other. I, I feel like that's vague, but like I didn't I don't want to really give it away because I think it's really important to for you to um, for the whoever's reading this book to like experience that conversation ha- taking place on the page. So, but yeah, um, I just thought that it was great that it was more nuanced.
2: Okay, I'm gonna throw a question out there. I'm changing the topic. Harry Potter references. Too soon, too soon. I was uncomfortable. I was uncomfortable. There were so many so many harry Potter references so and the good. author who should not be named and i think that it was really interesting because this is still like everyone is still walking on eggshells and it's really well done in the book i i'm really proud of of how this was done
0: i absolutely have to agree i had the same process with this um and i love that it was addressed and talked about and there were so many things I really 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 appreciated the sort of um all of the moments of this is a red flag let's investigate throughout this book so many moments of this is a red flag let's investigate uh but yeah no really really thought that was a great uh way of handling it also made me realize how long this pandemic has been going on because this whole book got published. A whole book got published.
1: And uh, that makes me want to cry a little bit. I do have to say that I actually read an arc of this book. So I think things were changed um, between the first copy, like the arc copy that I read and the final copy. Um, because I did have problems with the Harry Potter references. Um, because I don't remember reading a part where like um uh, the turfiness was addressed. So um I don't know, maybe I'm just reading it like I glossed over it but and like couldn't get past the Harry Potter references because there were so many. Okay. <laughs> Um, so I did kind of wonder because if it was an arc that, um, an advanced copy that, um, that maybe that was going to change in, um, I had pre-ordered my, um, like the final copy and I just didn't get it in time. Um, Don't worry. We're not
2: course, mad at you, but... Eunice. <laughs> so
1: like, I know I couldn't compare, but right. yeah. Um, so it's, yeah. It's a quick
0: little scene where it gets addressed but like it it does get sort of uh obliquely referenced
2: i would describe it as like okay neither of you are black and you're both much younger than i am so i feel like this is gonna be like um trying to start like pointing a sword at an ocean um but um there is a person named jackie harry who uh she if you've been watching if you've watched like sister sister it just came out on netflix um okay so she's like the mom, mom. with a high-pitched voice and the tiny waist and the tiny ankles and like she is my ideal of like sexiness like this is this is, like she was a figure of like just Mm, like she's like the black blood. Uh, yeah, she's like the, yeah, she's the black blanche, basically. And um, it, it's basically solved with the equivalent of what I would call a Jackie Harry side eye. Because um, she had this ability in TV shows to just kind of look at someone sideways. And you understand that like everything that they have done needs to be broken down so that they understand that you have to blame patriarchy and white supremacy for everything.
1: That's a great explanation. I love that. Did we have thoughts on the other love
2: interest? Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Yes. Let's talk about Nico, who I keep trying to call Elliot.
1: Yeah. Kind of like maybe like the skinny white boy vibes. Like, skinny Elliot is a Elliot. skinny white
0: boy vibe. Yeah. 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 But his name is Nico. Uh, and he's, yeah. you know, like uh, he's, he's tall and he's skinny and he's poor little rich boy. Uh, I loved, uh, I just, yeah, there were a lot of things I loved about with, with throwing kind of shade at him, um, at his character uh, subtly throughout. But uh, yeah, you know, he's, he's the poor little rich boy and I kind of enjoyed seeing, like, I feel like he's just very roundly meh, you know, like he's not the world's greatest villain and he's not like super dashing. He just kind of... He's just kind of wealthy and broody and hot. And that's kind of it.
2: I would jump in and just say that he is beige in all the sense. Because I think it's also, he's not supposed, he's not supposed to be the villain. It's about her. Yeah. This this is not a story that's like, and then this happens. And then Oh my God, a bomb explodes and it's full of hearts and then bunnies fall from the sky and they're dancing. Um, these are what happens. These are my dreams sometimes. Uh, <laughs> but no, it's not you know, the story is not about falling in love or this or it's it's about coming into herself it's a it's very much of a say anything type of coming of age story it's it's more about accepting who you are and and discovering it and stepping into that light uh in a way that can allow you to flourish as an adult it's making choices and yeah so i'm I'm glad he wasn't a villain i think he is just the most beige human being ever he reminded
1: me of—I don't know if you guys seen the movie *Lady Bird*, um, which is a fabulous movie. If you haven't seen it, the character that Timothy Chalamet plays in *Lady Bird*—that's who I was picturing the whole time. It's like this, like pretentious, like that—that that teenage boy that's like, uh, you know, like I write. <laughs> Period. Uh. um but like he he didn't even have that much of it because i feel like he was like kind of like i don't know what i write um but that's i feel like that's who i was picturing the whole time (laughs) i was reading this and i was like okay we get it (laughs) uh he's
0: He is a totally he is a total Timothy Chalamet in my opinion. I'm sorry, Caddy. I know you have a soft spot for that that little limpet eyed doughboy. Um,
1: <laughs> Ooh, did I hit, hit like a sore spot here? No, Cat- I'm just saying his character, his character he's, in Ladybird. He's a total
0: Timothy Chalamet, and he's not just a Timothy Chalamet. He's like a Timothy Chalamet playing Laurie from. <laughs>
2: Which is, let's be honest, I think that in like 30 years, people are going to look at Timothee Chalamet the way that I look at Nicolas Cage. And they're going to be like, he's a one note actor (laughs) because he basically always plays Timothee Chalamet. He does. And at some point he'll have to (laughs) diversify
0: or fade away rather like Johnny Depp. Uh, But hopefully, you know, hopefully he won't be a terrible person like Johnny Depp
2: for a reference can I if I may jump in just for a second Eunice Please do. um I have feelings about Timothee Chalamet but that are closer to like a daddy like I kind of want to bend him over my knee and spank him mm-hmm. you know like he's he's adorable I
1: no, I, I totally get the appeal yep it's just that's the first thing that I saw him in and I was like oh my god
2: I'm okay with it I'm okay with it but I will recommend that you watch Real Women Have Curves which Lady Bird was inspired by uh, which is an older movie starring America Ferrera when she was still fat
1: I remember oh, no, that yeah I coming remember out. that movie I don't think I ever watched it I just know that it was a thing in mm-hmm. early early 2000s?
2: Uh, yes. I was <laughs> like, not 90s, not 90s. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think I really appreciated the juxtaposition between the guys I felt like I was supposed to crush on in high school, which was the, like, Nico type. I just almost called him Elliot again. And the guys I actually crushed on in high school in my whole life, who are the Sam type. And I appreciated seeing that juxtaposition. But I also really enjoyed that that sort of what you see through the whole book, is like you see Tessa having fun with some people and really enjoying herself and feeling comfortable and then you see Tessa trying to kind of wedge herself into a particular narrative, not even because she's particularly drawn to it but just kind of because she feels like she should and I think that is a very relatable high school story. I think that is like a much more relatable high school story than a lot of adults are comfortable admitting. That like so much of what we do in high school is just kind of like, yeah, might as well, at least for some of us, for me, definitely in high school. I was like, that's somebody who I feel like I should be interested in rather than, you know, paying attention to anything about how I felt at any time.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think you definitely see that in her rea- her interactions with that whole friend group. It's just like, why are you here? like why why are you like I don't know like she does actively choose to hang out with them, but it also feels like it's kind of just like, oh yeah, like this is what's what what I'm doing, but like without real thought also it's just like this yeah, um so it's not like she like there is a plan that she comes up with her with her friend Caroline and they're like, yes like she's actively pursuing this but it also feels very like that's it like that was the thought and then she like just kind of continues on like aimlessly with that um yeah like it- it's interesting that you bring that up because it is it's just like that's what I'm doing <laughs> like it really feels like that um I think which adds to the frustration that you feel in most of the book where you're like no this he said some really like problematic things like tell him off like you would do that in like any other situation like uh like that kind of thing where so yeah it's like kind of like no rhyme or reason but like it also does make sense that like that's what you would do um especially as like um someone who is new to a school and and trying to um kind of like figuring out your identity thing where you're like in this new place and you're like oh like i could make a different like image of myself kind of thing so it does really make sense but yeah it's just like when like she was in those situations and hanging out with them it really felt like
2: she was kind of like
1: not that she didn't want to be there it was just like why
2: (laughs) well she's a normative teenager Let's, let's, I think that that's also kind of cool. It's because it's you're seeing the normative teenager experience, which is to have the objective to belong um, and to conform and to, to fit in and to, to blend in. And that's almost what she does, right? Because the opposite is when she's with, with Caroline or with Sam. And then it's a lot of vulnerability, which triggers a lot of anxiety for this character. So there's an interesting it's an interesting dimension that's added into the book with you know what is a normative experience when you have anxiety considering that anxiety is something that is diagnosed very late in most people even later in uh black people and even later in women uh in black women because obviously we don't feel pain Uh, (laughs) um you know like uh so 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 there is something interesting there in in looking at that lens and maybe creating a space for maybe youth to start relating to that experience and maybe being able to put the finger on, hey, maybe this is this is a, a sensation that makes sense to me. And maybe there's something to pull out of this also.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think learning that you can be comfortable hanging out with people is a lesson that most of us learn far too late in life and uh and it's really 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 lovely to see that represented
1: i almost want to see like tessa in like five years kind of book i'm actually really interested to see like where she would have where she would have turned out because just because like how this book ends um and i feel like some of the things were not resolved the way that i thought was going to resolve um i would love to see that play out because that would be i feel like that would be really cool um like, because like what you were saying about the anxiety thing, um, I don't think it was completely like on the pa- on the page diagnosed. Um, like, no. it, yeah. So I think that there's definitely more to explore there and to figure out like, what is she like in college? And then like, what is she like as a professional kind of thing? Um, if that's like the way it goes, right?
0: I noticed that Elise Bryant has a book coming in early 2022 that has a similar title conceit. And I uh, am excited to see if it maybe follows the same character. That would be Mm -hmm. exciting to me.
2: Shall we outro? That's outro. Let's do it. Thanks for listening to Yeah! If you want to leave feedback, suggest a book for us to read or just say hi. Uh, Send us an email at Podcast at gmail.com.
0: Follow us on Twitter at Ya yeah Podcast. And individually, I'm at Tepper Bear. Caddy is at Caddy double underscore D. And Eunice is on Instagram at The Unicorn Reads a Book. That's Unicorn with an E.
1: If you like the show and want to help us make it even better, consider supporting us on Patreon. You can get all kinds of great perks, including early access to bonus content, shoutouts, guest appearances, and more. Head to patreon.com at YAPodcasts to donate shout out to our patrons kathen reshi erica stitchberry kat mcguire lizzie Tenhol, Chantal thomas maddie dever megan jane emily patton and
2: emmett cameron we have merch hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get some from the fine folks over at T public
0: You can also support us, as always, for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts, by subscribing to us on Spotify, and by sharing this episode with a friend, Uh, maybe, you know, a friend who was an important friend to you in high school.
1: Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song Jenny's Groove as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com.
2: This episode was produced by Tapper Agenian and edited by Tom Zalat I as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at UpfordNetwork.com. Bye! Dragons, Canada, The Multiverse Theory, Corgis, Queer Representation, Reconciliation, Angels, Demons, Squirrels, Plant. Moose, Moose and Squirrels, Sorcerers, Dinosaurs, Barbarians, Forests, Giants, Rogues, Warlocks, Plains. Sewers, Lavender. Natural Toonie, a Canadian Dungeons & Dragons podcast, right here on the Upford Network.
1: If you're someone who interacts with kids, you're probably familiar with moments of being asked questions you're just not equipped to answer, whether it's the old favorite where do babies come from or the nuances of discrimination. Rad Child Podcast has your back. Each episode, your host Seth Day leads a discussion about topics like race, disability, loss, gender, sexuality, and so much more. Our goal is to give grown-ups the tools to talk to kids about almost anything. So come give a listen. Rad Child Podcast helping to raise a generation of open, compassionate, rad kids. Available on
0: iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and just about anywhere else.